Regardless of how we find ourselves in the world of divorce, the one thing we have complete control over is how we behave from here on out. We have two choices. One is to remain stuck in the stories, the anger and pain. And the other is to take a breath, adjust our sail to the wind, and work harder than ever before to create a new story for our children, for ourselves, and for the world around us. It's your choice, your work, but I'll be in your corner. Welcome to In Your Corner Divorce Podcast. My name is Carly Israel, and I am your host. Welcome. Hi, Carly. Um, so my name is Laura Mar and I'm in Florida and I am a mom of two beautiful kids. They're six and nine years old right now. And I'm in a really pretty awesome co-parenting relationship, which is the reason I that- cannot wait for our listeners to hear this. So just to backtrack a little bit, um, I had put a, a cry for help in a good way out to the Facebook land and said, I'm looking for anyone who's kicking ass at co-parenting. Because as everyone knows, my podcast and my coaching is all about making impactful decisions that are going to be healthy and are going to be supportive for your children so they don't have to get emotionally harmed by our divorce. And you guys are really doing a great job with that. So before we get to your great job, please, will you tell me a little bit about finding each other, getting together your your love story before it went the wrong way? <laughs> or the way? The- <laughs> yes. So I was born and raised in Miami, Florida, and that's where we met. He's from Dallas, Texas. His name's Derek, so I'll use his name. Um, And I had recently opened a restaurant, actually, an organic restaurant, and he was working for like a local newspaper called the Miami New Times, and he worked for the advertising uh, section. He was in a manager position, but he happened to walk in with like the local uh, salesperson to introduce themselves and we were interested in advertising with them. So that's how we met, you know, he walked into the cafe and I always joke about Miami being predominantly Hispanic. My family's Cuban where we're Latinos and Derek is this like tall, light haired, blue eyed Texan. And I always joke that he's like an exotic creature down in Florida in, in Miami, I'm sorry. And um, we, it was interesting because we started just sending emails to each other he kind of checked in on how I like the ad and it right. was, he was going to the business angle, the business angle. At first, yeah. The right? business angle. Yeah. And he always jokes about like, he, he really didn't want to feel creepy about, you know, reaching out to me. So right away. So we, for several weeks were like pen pals, which was really fun and totally different. And right. Interesting. Because you get to know someone in a different way than just immediately starting to date. Yes. And he wrote very well and I love words and that was definitely an attraction. Um, and then he finally said, you know, Hey, would you like to meet for coffee or a drink sometime? And, um, we met for a drink, uh, that weekend and it's kind of like the rest is history. We hit it off so well. We had such a good time. I found him so attractive and interesting and intelligent and, um, we ended were up were you looking for like a, a partner were you at that place in your life where you're like I want to get married and have kids no I was coming out of a long like a six year on and off really Drama. dramatic <laughs> relationship yes and I was like 
really happy to just be on my own. So when I first started seeing him, I thought casually, you know, I'm not wanting to jump into anything. I, I had even been engaged with the person that I dated before and broke off that engagement. And there was so much pressure around that, that I was like, that's the last thing that I want. Right. And Derek felt like this breath of fresh air. He has this kind of really just confident, calm, easygoing presence and no jealousy. I had been dating a very jealous Hispanic man. (laughs) So this like laid back, just all good, whatever. I mean, it was just so comforting. And, and I felt, I would have to say that because there felt like, it felt like there was no pressure in this relationship. And I wasn't dating a guy who was suddenly like, what are we? Are we boyfriend, girlfriend? Are we in a relationship? Because a lot of guys around that time were also that I had met were like, they want to fall in love. They want to be in a relationship. They want to have babies really soon. And that was not where I was. So I would, I always say, I think that Derek's his nature and just like that laid back, no pressure, just enjoying every time we hang out really slowly paved this way for me to just trust, relax, enjoy, be present. And I wanted to spend time with him. It, yeah. And I still had my whole life and my friendships and my business. And he was comfortable giving me all the space I needed Mm -hmm. to enjoy those things. And then how far after you meeting, did you guys end up getting married? Uh, Three years. Oh, that's nice. That's a nice amount of time. Yeah. And during those three years, looking back and just so the listeners know, you guys have a great relationship. So there's nothing that you're going to say that's going to be harmful. But during those three years, looking back, was there anything that you can see now that like probably wasn't the right match or did something go wrong later on? No, I totally could have seen it. (laughs) You could have. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so funny. You know, you, of course, in retrospect, you're like, right. I knew it was that moment. I knew, (laughs) but I ignored it. So tell Uh, us what you knew. (laughs) Well, you know, in retrospect, I knew initially that first of all, our sexual chemistry was not. Thank you for saying that. Can I just tell you that I do anonymous surveys and the number one issue in marriages and relationships is sexual issue, physical, intimate, or what I always hear, we are like roommates. And so when that is off, and it's so interesting, I just did this podcast with these young, and I don't know how old you are. I'm 41. How old are you? 36. Okay. So I did an interview with 25 and 26 year old women in New York, and they're doing this podcast because guys call girls crazy all the time. So they're doing like one kind of switching the gender roles and talking about, so they used me as like an elderly person and in a fun way, they actually said out loud mom goals, which I was like, I want to die right now because (laughs) no one's ever said that to me. But um, I was able to talk to them about what I wish I would have known when I was in their position. And it's so interesting because we do know, like we just don't want to look at that because it's so uncomfortable to like acknowledge that. And at that age, when I talked to them about it, I said, do you ever have issues in this area? And they said, what I remember in the beginning when you're dating, everyone's like bunnies. And like, you know, when you get together every time you're almost always intimate. So I almost think it's like the reverse. You should almost live together for a bunch of years and see what someone's like in stress and work and sickness. And when some, you know what I mean? So you guys are chemic chemistry is off. Yes. The sexual relationship and the intimacy vulnerability, um, that was off. And I knew from the beginning, because 
we actually were never like bunnies. I mean, yeah. that, that phase happened. It, <laughs> it kind of like, we missed it a little bit. Right. And then yeah. on, I would say that it had so much to do with where I was in my life as well, coming out of that really dramatic relationship where mm-hmm. sex was more present and it was also problematic in its own way, no, but not for a lack of it, that in that moment, I felt like, oh, like this man that doesn't have sex at the forefront. Right, maybe this means it's it's healthy. Maybe this is normal, right? This yeah. is, a, maybe this is a, what a kind person is like, but then you're like, okay, but what's this gonna be like long-term? Exactly. I think that in my mind, I, like we often do, we rationalize, like I'm noticing and my gut is saying there's something off here. This is just not feeling quite right, but there's all these other wonderful things about him and so many wonderful things about this relationship. So maybe we can, maybe we can explore this. And that's also how I am like, Ooh, let's peel back the layers. Let's let's dive in. Did you guys talk about it or was it not talked about? You know, now that I know his communication style, I realize he was deflect- deflecting very well. He would make a joke about it. Like, um, you know, he loves to read and he's reading all day long. And he would read like on a whole Saturday or a whole Sunday. And I would joke and sit next to him and be like, read me. Yeah. And I right. remember saying to him, I mean, he still laughs about it. Uh, maybe early into our relationship, I said to him, are we ever going to have sex again? Mm-hmm. Like, Good. I mean, that's a huge red flag, Laura. Like wait, yeah. <laughs> early in this relationship, you're both like sexy people and alive and young. And you're wondering if you're ever going to have sex again. And he just started laughing and laughing and took it really lightly. And you know, what's really interesting about that is that I think that I could hear your inner voice coming from the dramatic relationship where there was a lot of sex you're we're like telling ourselves well maybe that meant that was bad and so maybe this is normal and I think what's really important for me today especially like as we're in these new world new relationships is not to worry about what's normal or bad or good but what's right for me and if I don't ask that then I'm never gonna know so you guys are together three years you get married you're aware like hmm Yes. And then kids, how off, How long after that? Immediately. Yeah. I mean, it, we basically, right when I had decided, it was interesting because right at that point where I decided I was, okay, I am going to head on to the, let me give you a little background. For me, yeah. I agree, with the, I understand that there's that notion of like, what's normal, what's not, but I am all about what is right for me. Yes. And I don't care if something's normal or Good. not. Good. So in that moment, when I was sort of, initially playing around questioning it I knew something was off and I knew that this wasn't right for me but I decided that I want to invest in this relationship so let's figure it out Mm -hmm. and I decided like okay if your libido doesn't match my libido and I'm not trying to pressure anyone into having sex with me because how attractive is that how sexy yeah exactly how how attractive is that so I remember having like okay I'm going to start this conversation like how can we be intimate or affectionate with each other where maybe he feels comfortable and he doesn't need to perform, but he can be present with me and intimate. And I can maybe have the kind of sexual experience and intimacy that I'm craving. That's exciting for you. Yeah. That's exciting for me. So we had just started to like 
just the superficial layer of that kind of exploration. And he was going along with it, all but I could feel him being a little bit uncomfortable, but hey, that's okay. Right. And then I got pregnant. <laughs> and then I got pregnant and we were excited. We had been kind of like open to a pregnancy happening. So, you know, that in itself kind of right. took over. And then your kids are three years apart. So just as you're getting used to it, you do it again. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and then during the time where you have your young kids, how are things in your marriage at that point? Well, I would say that the biggest impact was when my, our first baby was eight months old, Derek got a job offer in Tampa, Florida, which is four hours away North. And we decided to say yes to that, which meant that I was all of a sudden moved away from the city that I was born and raised in my family, my friends, my social Your network. Your whole support system. Yeah. My whole support system. And now I'm isolated in a new city with my baby and Derek, who's adjusting to a new job. Not, I would say communication, like he's the silent, quiet type. Yeah. <laughs> I used to be married to that. <laughs> yeah. You know, that silent, quiet type that when we're young, we think is really mysterious and that there's real depth in there and it's an adventure waiting to happen. But I love Maya Angelou's quote of when someone shows you who they are. Yes, believe them, believe them, yes. And you know, I remember having conversations with my, I call it my husband. And I remember having conversations with my husband where I was like, I want to connect and I want to be like slammed against the wall in a good way. And I want to, I want you to get to know me. And he's like, I'm fine. Like I'm, I don't, I don't, this is who he's like, this is who I am. Like I showed you who I was. And I was like, you, I thought that it was going to get deeper as we went down the road, but it wasn't. He was, this is just who he was. Yes. Yes. And I would have to say that with Derek, you know, I would, I felt that same way about him. And at the same time, I remember thinking, oh, it's so sweet because for him, all he needs is for me to be around. He doesn't need to talk to me or touch me. He's happy if I'm just around the house. In the same space. Yeah. In the same space. Yeah. If I'm in the same space, that is, that's fulfilling. And you want to connect. And I want to connect. And touch. And, and know and feel and do and all of it. Yes. Engage for the yes. love of God. Yes. And at the same time, I think that there's something that feels when you're planning on having kids or you want children and a family, this kind of mellow, stable um, man who is happy with just the presence and to be there in a peaceful way. Is attractive. Is attractive. I would say thinking back, like I think that it felt really safe to be with someone who didn't require so much from me because having children work requires so much right from mom like if you have a man who's like but you haven't paid attention to me lately right. we don't connect anymore and i miss you and you're there like breastfeeding and not sleeping and barely surviving right. yeah that's not what you want either like, right right so there's this kind of like oh maybe there's space for more in this relationship mm -hmm. more being like a, a baby a yeah. family yeah so it's that it's tricky, right? Yes, it's tricky. It is. Like, I, let's acknowledge none of this is easy. There, and what people always misunderstand is getting married is not going to make it easier. Getting divorced is not going to make it easier. Finding another person is not going to make it easier. It's just called relationships and they're all hard. So all you just have to find the right partner to do them with. So at what point are you communicating? Because I'm guessing it was you and not him, that things are not going well. 
Yeah. So let's see. We were after my second child was born. Still in Tampa. Still in Tampa. We're still in Tampa. After Leah was born, I knew. It's one of those like baby fire babies births. Yeah. Just yeah. transformational. <laughs> yeah. You're like this. Yeah. She like it was an earthquake and she brought all of that and there was no denying it. That was the fact. That was the truth. The marriage in itself felt very much like this is over moving on. Like there's no more me trying and there's no more, there's really nothing here to salvage. It needs to be reborn, but who was, had you said anything to him at this point? We had had many conversations and where you communicated and said, Oh, I yeah. communicated. I cried. I expressed, I wrote emails. He wrote, he, like I said, writing, He's really he, good at writing, really good I at think, writing. Were you married to my husband? <laughs> he's, he was tall and fair skin and light and all, and all and quiet. When we fought, he would just clench his jaw and be quiet. It was silence. And so we would just have a silent fight for a whole night. And then he'd wake up the next day and be alone and be like, that was awesome. And just, you know, so lonely. So when you a community where you like, I want more connection, I want, and then what would he say? Um, I'm so sad to hear you say this. Yeah. I'm so broken heart. I mean, all of his messages. He was fine. Cause he was fine. And maybe his only expression would be the, the most I got out of him was that he believed that we needed to maybe get away from the house and being outside of like the mommy parenting space and that that would be better. Of course, a part of me was like, I want a man who loves the mother me, who right. loves my, the fact that I'm breastfeeding and right. that my body's rounder and yeah. that like this carnal primal creature all right here, of all, of it. all of it. Yeah. But you know, I had a man who was like, maybe we could connect more outside of that, you know? And ultimately he would say that I will do anything. I will do yeah. anything to save this relationship. And he was really good at saying those things, but not doing it. Right. So the words were there, but not the action. Not the action. And also when you think about it out loud today, uh, he was basically saying, I want to be intimate and connected with you when you're not in your regular life with me, which is like, well, how often can we make that happen? We have two little babies, right? This is our regular life. We don't live near anybody. And what are we supposed to hire a babysitter every time we want to be physical and intimate? Yeah. Yeah. No. And I would get really sad. We were we, occasionally, if we did go somewhere for the weekend, it, we were that couple where I would look around. Yes. We weren't talking to each other. Yes. We were that. Yeah. It was lonely. You know what I talk about and people don't talk about this a lot, but I think you might be able to connect. Yes. There was an abuse that was happening called neglect. And it was like the, the person loved me and cared for me and didn't want things to change. But he didn't understand that in order for this to thrive and live, it had to be fed and watered. And I always say that marriage is the only school project that you cannot do by yourself. So like, no matter how much work you put in, it doesn't matter because it has to be two people that are both putting in all of their stuff. 100%. Yeah. 100%. So I think ultimately I put all of that effort and I, when my daughter was born, I turned it around and I put all of it towards myself. Mm, that is I, I broke into pieces, I would say like that. I love that. This broke me open. And I remember thinking to myself, 
okay, I'm choosing to be in this because my, my three-year-old is super close to her dad. We just had a baby, but I gave my, myself a mentality that I'm a single mom mm. and all the wow. effort was, I'm going to be taking care of me. Yeah. I'm, and I would go on walks. And then I remember even bringing my hands to myself kind of like bringing back light, love, earth, nourishment, whatever it was, I needed to fill myself because I felt so emptied out. Yes. Like I had given every last drop. Right. right. And I wanted to return to me and to love me. And that experience was me falling in love with myself and realizing that I am the love of my life. I like- love, you have to read my memoir because that's literally the story of my memoir. It's called Seconds and Inches. And inside of all of it is a love story. And it's exactly what you said, just in different ways of finding your way back to yourself and being enough and looking in the mirror and knowing that you've got your back. And yes. then that means whatever's next, whoever comes your way, it's going to be icing on the cake. It's not going to be the cake. Like 100%. you've got the cake, right? So yeah. how did you, did you guys get to the place where you decided to end your living marriage situation? Well, we had gotten to the point where when I was, the more I was taking care of myself, like three years passed, no, three, almost four. After really. your second was born. After my second was born, we moved in, we bought a house. We, it's so uh, interesting that you say that because I hear so many stories and it's so interesting how we'll be like, and then I realized the truth and I knew, and then four years later we were still, and it's, you know, the reason for me and for a lot of us is we're afraid to break up the family. We're afraid what it's going to do to the kids. We're afraid of finances. We're afraid of all of it. And so we just keep staying with the truth and it's so hard, but it sounds like you took the truth and took care of yourself during it. Oh yeah. Our relationship transformed entirely to the point where I, we were living like roommates. We weren't, we had like separate bedrooms. When did the separate bedrooms happen? The separate bedrooms almost happened organically because I co-slept with my baby. Yeah, so it's like, like, it just made sense. It just makes sense. Like he needed to get his good night's sleep. Yeah. God forbid, you know. Like right. God, you shouldn't have to wake up in the night. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. So it was already happening organically with the babies. And then as it, it just stayed that way, it just made sense for it to stay that way. Um, and our relationship got better because I got stronger. Yeah, and there was no pressure. You weren't resentful because you had given, you'd like that go. Exactly. But what I'm, about your needs as a human sexually? I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> what ended up happening there was initially I decided when I was feeling better and stronger and he showed interest in having a sexual relationship again, because we hadn't since right. the baby was born. It had been like almost a year and a half. Um, Have you said anything to you during your time of breaking up into pieces and getting stronger? Was he like, Hey, like I'm feeling like you're pulling away or anything? No, of course. No, No, of course not. He's just doing his own thing. You're just there. I'm there. And you know, he's, he's a super devoted dad. So when he was home, he was constantly engaged with the girls. Like I will say this about him. And that's why it was also hard to leave because Derek is the kind of dad that comes home from work and strips into his bathing suit and jumps in the pool with the kids. And all the neighborhood kids were at my house because I always had that open door house and he's playing with five kids in the pool. And then he's like totally engaged with them until bedtime. He never came home and said he was tired. Right. 
And he always acknowledged that my job was much harder than his because he got to go on business trips and he got to go places and have lunch when he wanted, pee and poop when he wanted, be by himself. The amount of time that he dedicated to the girls, he realized like, it's so fun, but wow, it's exhausting. Like I, I, he was left always exhausted. Like we all are, even though it must've felt good to have that acknowledgement. It felt so good. Yeah. Well, good to have somebody say like I'm working and I'm bringing in the money to the family but wow your job is so much harder like what you do right you you must need a break like yeah. I, you, know, you must you should take it and he would say those things were not happening at my house I gotta tell you you're very lucky so I, I want you to um talk about the elephant in the room between me and you that we know is you guys are still legally married and you made that decision Yes. Because of why tell it, which I love. I I understand the reason. Tell everybody. So initially when we just, we had a conversation where I brought it up to him and I just realized, okay, I do want a full life. I do want to have a partner, a sexual romantic intimacy. Like I want more of that in my life. And it's really hard to date. I would say when you're living like with your husband, (laughs) my husband and the kids and the thing. And I realized, okay, I think we both deserve like the full picture. And I think that we, as scary as it is to break up the family and separate and change things, if anybody can do it mindfully, lovingly, I think we can. And so we had this conversation and he was immediately like, yes, you're right. He wanted to. Yeah. He's like, you, you know, I've been thinking about this. You're so brave to say this. Um, I, I just, you know, of course it's you, you know, and he would always give me the props for being the one who's like, you say, you say the thing, the thing that's really hard to say time and time again. Were you, was there any part of you that was sad? Yes. You know, there's, he wasn't like, no, I don't want to. And let's make this Are you kidding? I always say this is insane because leading up to that conversation, I was imagining like best case scenario, super supportive. I'm all on board. And then there's this ego part of us, no matter how much you are in love with yourself and you're okay. And this is what you want. There was this little, it triggered a little bit of the rejection that I felt throughout the marriage when I felt like rejected. I just say something and I just realized that when you were saying this, I think every single partner in a marriage that doesn't work out feels a rejection regardless of why so it doesn't matter and I hate when people are like who wanted the divorce because that's a stupid question by someone that doesn't understand marriage because nobody wanted the divorce no one goes into this and is like yes let's get married and have children and then let's get divorced this is not a choice that anyone wants to make unless there is no other choice and everyone plays a part in it and so you, you had rejection and so did he, and so did I, like we all did, but people on the outside look and they think only one person was rejected and that's not true. No, not at all. Yeah, not at all. I think that we, we both, even at that point, he had been feeling like he voiced that he, he had started feeling resentment towards me and he didn't want that anymore. And it, essentially, because I had come to the realization that I didn't want a sexual relationship with him. Right. Because you weren't getting, you weren't getting the full relationship you wanted. And so it wasn't attractive to you. No, of course not. And I realized now I actually, I'm very aware of the kind of sex that I want yes. and it's not the kind of sex that he could offer. Because- and guess what? I, Cause I'm only a few years ahead of you. It gets better and better and better because <laughs> as we get to know our bodies more, as we get to know ourselves more, as we get to trust ourselves and whoever we choose, 
we realize like so much doesn't matter and so much does and it's so fulfilling so you guys say you're going to break up the family mindfully and lovingly and you can do it mm-hmm. did you know then that there that you were not going to go through with the legal process of divorce no we did not know that we you figured tried. yeah we did i i hired a lawyer mm-hmm. because essentially in the dynamic of the family like making those moves was always left to me right like okay I'm going to research, find out what we're supposed to do. Oh, I guess we're divorced. Like initially you just think this is what happens when people break up. Right. Right. So I looked for a a woman's law firm that was also specializing in like family and amicable divorce. Right. That's what it, that's what they said, but oh my God, just because they want to focus on what do you want? What do you want? Yes. Immediately it becomes this like, okay, well, we're going to take care of you and what are the things that you need? And we need to get all this information and what broke, I think what really what are your assets, what are your liabilities? And it, yes. it sounds on the outside, like, welcome, we're going to take care of your kids and you. And, but really it is just law. It's just splitting things up. And then as you know, and I'm sure you saw that brings a lot of yuck with it. So much yuck, yeah. <laughs> so much yuck, especially the financial implications of divorce and the way that impacted Derek, because he had been the primary breadwinner for the last few years. And, you know, just that him filling out that paperwork. And then all of a sudden this animosity and this disgust and this kind of uh, like the ugly came out. Yes defensiveness he felt attacked whatever I requested like oh the lawyer this or the the process in itself I would have to agree with Derek as he said and I it immediately kind of pits you against one another yeah it's designed to kind of break whatever that couple energy is it's like well we're going to separate you because we're going to look at you as two separate entities and both of you the assumption is are going to try and get what you need at the cost of the other person. Like there isn't this, I mean, I don't even. Right. So like when I, so one of the things I do is called nuts and bolts. And I basically sit down with a couple who's already made the decision. They're going to get the divorce. And I say to them, this is not legal stuff. This is stuff that we should discuss before you meet with anyone that's going to write up any of your work to make sure you're making choices that are going to set your children up for the most successfully, emotionally supportive, loving two fam two home relationship and let's look at these things now so we can get them down so when the two of you meet other people they can't touch what you guys have already decided upon right and we focus on that we don't focus on what about your 401k what about this who's going to get that you know because if you don't focus on the kids and you just focus on who's getting what then the kids lose absolutely and i think what ended up happening was so at this point, one of the other immediate decisions that we made was, okay, we need our own living space. Like who's going to move out? Who's going to find a place? And Derek was, he knew, I don't want to be the dad living in an apartment. Yeah. Like, living in a house that's going to depress me. Right. So, because you want to have a similar kind of family space for the children. You don't want it to be like, mom's got a wonderful warm home and dad's got a, like a crappy one bedroom apartment. Totally. Totally. Where the kids sleep on like cardboard on the floor. Yeah, I think he envisioned this like, oh, no, this sad setting. He wants it to feel just like our home felt. Right, right. And um, it turned out that actually I found a house. When we were looking together for houses for him, I saw the one that I loved. And I said, I want this house. 
You stay in this one. I'll take this one. I'll you stay in this one. I'll take this one. And then very soon it became apparent that like financially, we really couldn't afford the big house that we were all in. And even me and the little ones. So yeah, he sold that house and he bought a house in my neighborhood within a mile from me. Yeah, We're four blocks away. And can you just say how amazing it is? Because how often do you forget something? Every day, every day, right? Where's where's your trumpet? It's at dad's. Where's your reading book? It's at mom's. Where's your plug? It's at dad's, right? Totally. And so that, that in itself, if you're making the decision, why wouldn't you decide to have a similar setting for both both families, right? And be close together so you can make it easy on the kids. Yes. And on you. So much easier. I would have to say that when initially I bought this house and he was like 20 minutes away and I had to get on the highway to get to him, I was the pain in my heart of even sleeping in this house without my children and that they be that far away. I know. That process is so rough. But having them around the corner where they're like, they're just right there. And yeah, Yeah. I pop up for bedtime or I bring them the the little stuffed animal they forgot or, you know. Derek comes here all the time and that it's just, it's this close. So, like so at that, what point did you guys say, we're not going to do the legal divorce. We're going to do this our own way. Okay. So we, I would have to say that everything that I was afraid of happening happened in the mm-hmm. relationship. Like yeah. Derek turned the, the, um, I mean, he, and this is because this was like his language. He viewed me almost like he was in combat. And he's a very competitive, aggressive business person in it's his nature. And he succeeds in what he does because of it. But he turned that to me, like if this is an aggressive business negotiation and I'm like the opposite of that, I don't have that in me at all. And I come from a much more emotional perspective. So I remember him getting so angry and me feeling so lost because numbers is not my forte. I was Mm -hmm. having people counsel me counsel me that I was paying for telling me these things. And he was freaking out about the numbers. And then all of a sudden I, I felt like, well, these women are in my corner and maybe I don't, I don't know who to trust. He's telling me that doesn't make sense. And they're telling me he's probably not being transparent. Mm. And then I got being in that situation where he felt attacked, vulnerable. And yes, I think he didn't realize that he felt that way about money. Like, money how would you know you can't know yeah and he didn't right he didn't know he would even react that way about money but he did and he said some awful things to me like and he when we were trying to figure out how to take like the kids how many days and with you and we were trying to do that on our own he was still being so defensive and so angry and I had this conversation I remember being like Derek remember who I am yeah who I am you're talking yeah. to me that gives me chills when you just said that yeah because we do we get our emotions get in the way and our story and our past and our resentments and we don't remember who the other person is and one of the things that I really try to focus on is that is half of my children and I just need to get through this yucky part because our legal part was miserable and you guys are having a horrible time. So are you the one I'm guessing that's like, let's not do the legal? Yes. Yeah. I, I, of course, I, I basically got to the point in my life where the stress. It was too much. It was hurting my body and my mind and my like everything. It was so much. And I had this moment of like, okay, let's look at the facts. Let's step away. What am I afraid of? Because if we're fighting over money, what am I really afraid of? Like, number one, 
I know that Derek would never leave his children in a right. situation where they don't have what they need or safe and all of that. Like that is right. a priority to him. Number two, if, if the worst case happens and he is not willing to support me in the way that I need, I am lucky enough to have a safety net because my family in Miami with open arms would be like, we've come got on you. in. Yeah. Come on in. So I look around and I was already living in this new little house that I love in this neighborhood. And I was thinking, I'm safe. I have this house. My, My children kids are healthy. Therefore, yeah. They're healthy and their dad is going to take care of them no matter what. You know, I'm going to surrender to the universe. I'm not mm. surrendering to Derek, but I'm going to surrender to the I universe. I love you. <laughs> and, and just let it go and just stop and just trust. Yes. That's it. So let me ask you a question. How long have you guys been doing this like this? We have been doing it like this for two and a half years. And how does it do? How do you guys do with other people? Oh, like dating other people? Yeah. Oh my God. So great. It's so interesting. There has been no significant, significant person. Like I was dating somebody for a year that I intentionally kept separate from my children because I have time now, actually, now that I don't live with my kids, I will say that as a boon to like meeting yeah. people, relationships, and also being safe where there are days or evenings where my children are at their dad's house. And then I can see someone and get to know someone. And if I want someone in my bed, they can be in my bed then, not right. when my children are here. Right. And confusing and adding new people and causing mm. drama. And yeah, exactly. So how do people, how did that person do when you said, FYI, I'm not um, legally divorced, but we are no longer together, but we're very much in each other's lives. That person wasn't threatened. Totally threatened. What threatened? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not. Of course. In, yeah. Totally. For him, do our women totally threatened? For him, you know, he might not tell you. Yeah. And I think that back to Derek, maybe being more himself, he has, he hasn't had like a relationship relationship. He sees people casually mm -hmm. and I don't think he's met someone that he would in, he is really scared of that. He actually brought that up. You know what? It, I remember we were both grocery shopping together at Whole Foods and he's like, I want to talk about something and about bringing people into the girl's lives because I have no intention of putting them in a situation or betraying their trust or like where it would be uncomfortable. And there's so much change. And you know what? He did take one of those required classes for parents when you're getting divorced, when we were initially in that process, we both took it. And he walked away with so much from that yes. class. Yes. And I, I mean, because it's all about being intentional. It's all about asking what is best for the children. Yes. And not forcing somebody upon your children just because you like them doesn't mean that they have to like them. Absolutely. Or that you can't switch it around. Like, again, we're going back to, well, what is it supposed to look like? And it sounds to me, because you guys have a great relationship and you have an awesome head on your shoulders, is when and if you get to a place where one of you meets someone that wants to be remarried, you'll figure it out. We will. Of like, course it's not going to be a dramatic way. and you're not living together. You're not angry at each other. So it's going to be fine. Yeah. Tell me, do you guys do any cool co-parenting things together with the girls? Like, do you ever any special times together? Yeah, we do. You know, from the very beginning, actually, even when it was hard to have him in my yes. house because of everything that was happening, 
daddy would come and have dinner with the girls and he, I have a pool and he doesn't. And we used to have a pool in our old house. So, and he was the guy who would jump in and swim and do the whole thing and throw them around. And he was still doing that. And I was still making dinner and serving him a plate. And then he would go home. And we, from the beginning, we told the girls, we're still one family, but we just have two houses. I love that. I literally want to cry. You could be my poster child. (laughs) Carly, thank you so much. So does he feel the same you do? Yes. That is, this is where we really met. This is what we had that was strong. Yeah. Even when things weren't good between us, as parents, as like adoring our children, wanting what's best for our children, also going against the norm because sometimes different than other people parent or our our parents parented us and the people get so mad like oh that's weird I'm like weird to who weird to you like so you want us to not show up for our kids in the same space because that makes you uncomfortable like we made the decision we were already married like we made the decision to not do this anymore so don't be insecure about it like this is what's working for our kids yes and And us right because you get to see your kids and show up how did your families deal with everything Well, our families initially, I'll say this initially, they were like, okay, this is so weird. Like, what do you mean? You're not getting divorced. You know, even on my side, they're like, oh, he doesn't want to give you the divorce. They think it's money. Yeah. It's money. It's independence. It's pride. Or he doesn't want you to be with anyone else. Yes. And it wasn't even about that because now flash forward to, wow, like, I'm so proud of you guys. We get comments from because they watch you behave because they see the majority of people make an idiot out of themselves and screw their children up. Yes. And that's what they care about. Ultimately they're seeing Emma and Leah and my daughter's like what this has been like for them. And the fact that they get to be with both parents, we vacation together. I I mean, they're, they're little, how the hell is, you know, Derek doesn't want to take them somewhere without me. It's expensive. It's expensive as hell. Like we, I mean, trying to rent a place by yourself for a week with kids is so expensive. And you know what? I know lots of families that are doing what you're doing. And I, I want you to know that you, God willing, one day will be the norm and not the exception. Because what a role model and example, because I have talked to adult children of divorce whose parents did not do what you guys are doing. And they are harmed and scarred and have relationship issues and trust issues and security. And it's because the parents won't get over their own crap and just show up and smile and suck it up like it's not about you I know I you know I do in my daughter's school when we have the parent teacher conferences yeah we always go together you know always and the director of the school even when the fam when we did separate and of course we let them know hey FYI you see anyone being weepy Yeah. yeah And they were just like, you know what? We have to commend you because the girls have come in and are like, oh, I have two houses now. Right. They're like, excited about they're it. Excited. Like, it's yeah. Oh, at my mom's house, we do this. And my dad, yeah. Yeah. And they were like, you know what? They haven't skipped a beat. Like they. Doesn't that like hats off oh. to you both. Like I no. want you to know I'm so <laughs> proud of you. I have one more question because I am so, I'm just so invigorated by you. What advice do you have for someone who's right at that place of, we know we can't do this anymore? What advice do you have for them going forward? Okay, Mike, we know we can't do this like while they're in the divorce. We can't stay together. We know that we need to end our marriage, whether legally or not. 
what do they need to do to co-parent in a way that their children won't have to feel the emotional pain? Mm. I think that really honing in on the ways that you appreciate your partner as a parent really brings a lot of love because ultimately you you're choosing to salvage something, right? You're choosing to let go of the marriage between two adults, but retain a partnership, a partnership forever. that lasts forever. Exactly. Do you part? It yes. is literally, I, I tell people, they're like, oh, I have to only get to 18. I'm like, you're insane. Until one of you dies, you're going to be connected because yes. grandchildren, God willing, and celebrations and holidays and funerals, they're yes. always going, you're always going to be their parents and you're always going to be interacting at some level. Always. And choosing kindness and acceptance. I will have to say this. I learned to accept Derek finally exactly as he is. Because when you're no longer married and you don't have to be in an intimate relationship with this person, it's so much easier to accept who they are. And I didn't have to figure it out why it didn't work or all those things that why he didn't want this or that. Or take it matter. personally. Like that's just who he is. Like exactly. I know my husband, I have to tell him about a financial thing like four to five times that's going to be for our kids before he can get to a place where he's accepted it. Like we have to like, it's not a, a fast issue. Like I like to do it. I have to be like, Hey, FYI, this is what's coming up, you know? So because you're not, you don't, the stakes are not the same and your job is just to work together. Yes. Then you just have to figure out what works for the, your partner. Yeah. You just figure that out. It's kind of, it, it's, yeah. It's like figuring out who this person is and communicating with them and accepting them. And Isn't it like kind of embarrassing that it's ridiculously easy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's some times where it's hard and you'll see if there is a significant other, that's when wrenches come in. Um, yes, and hopefully he will be empowered enough because I'm not worried about you, but hopefully he'll be empowered enough to be able to tell whatever person comes in, this is sacred. Please don't touch this. So I'm as tonight I'm speaking with um, a dating coach for divorced dads and I'm speaking with, to their dads and I'm going to, so they're not in a relationship, yet. they want to be in one. And I'm going to tell them, you need to protect that relationship, your co-parenting relationship and your children. And if any woman that comes near you is not okay with it, that person's the not right person for you because you're about to invite drama into your life that you cannot even fathom. Absolutely. It's not worth yeah. it. No, it's not. And I feel that even if the children aren't physically exposed to it, the energy is there and children yes. absorb everything. Yes, they do. They do. And even that awareness of living like in integrity, whether you're in front of your children or your children are not around that, what you're doing feels good and right. And like aligned with what you want for them and your own life. Dating somebody who rejects your co-parenting relationship is like the opposite of what you're nourishing, right? It, you, yeah, it's not the right person. And that's a beautiful like clarity to have from the get-go. I love you. Like, I'm so <laughs> excited I got to connect with you. Thank you, I, I feel so lucky that we got to hear your story and I hope listeners can feel inspired. And even if you are on the path where it's not going well, at any moment you can get off of it and come back onto this one because it's your children's life at stake and yours. Yes. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. I'm Thank sending you. you all the good energy and love and, and gratitude. I appreciate it. I love the work you do. So thank, thank you. Thank so you. Thank you so much. I'll stay in touch. Okay, good. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.
For any listeners who would like to go deeper into my story, check out my memoir, Seconds and Inches, available in paperback, audio, or digital. Regardless of how we find ourselves in the world of divorce, the one thing we have complete control over is how we behave from here on out. We have two choices. One is to remain stuck in the stories, the anger and pain. And the other is to take a breath, adjust our sail to the wind, and work harder than ever before to create a new story for our children, for ourselves, and for the world around us. It's your choice, your work, but I'll be in your corner. Welcome to In Your Corner Divorce Podcast. My name is Carly Israel, and I am your host. On Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and IndieBound. Remember, we get to write this next chapter for our kids, for ourselves, and for the world around us. Have a great day.